Chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 2, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon the other, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Theophylact. The Pharisees sought indeed to catch Jesus in his talk, that they might lead away the people from him. But this design of theirs is reversed. For the people came all the more unto him, gathered together by thousands, and so desirous to attach themselves to Christ, that they pressed one upon another. So mighty a thing is truth, so feeble everywhere deceit. Once it is said, and when they were gathered together, a great multitude, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Cyril for they were false accusers, therefore Christ warned his disciples against them. Gregory Nazianzus. When leaven is praised, it is as composing the bread of life, but when blamed it signifies a lasting and bitter maliciousness. Theophylact. He calls their hypocrisy leaven, as perverting and corrupting the intentions of men in whom it has sprung up, for nothing so changes the characters of men as hypocrisy. Bede. For as a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump of meal, so hypocrisy will rob the mind of all purity and integrity of its virtues. Ambrose, our Lord has introduced a most forcible argument for preserving simplicity and being zealous for the faith, that we should not, after the manner of faithless Jews, put one thing in practice while in words we pretend another, namely, that at the last day the hidden thoughts accusing or else excusing one another shall be seen to reveal the secrets of our mind. Whence it is added, there is nothing hid which shall not be revealed. Origin. He either then says this concerning that time when God shall judge the secrets of men, or he says it because whoever much a man may endeavor to hide the good deeds of another by discredit, good of its own nature cannot be concealed. Chrysostom. As if he says to his disciples, Although now some call you deceivers and wizards, time shall reveal all things, and convict them of calumny, while it makes known your virtue. Therefore, whatsoever things I have spoken to you in the small corner of Palestine, these boldly and with open brow, casting away all fear, proclaim to the whole world. And therefore he adds, Whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in light. Bede, or he says this because all the things which the apostles of old spoke and suffered amid the darkness of oppression and the gloom of the prison are now that the church is made known through the world, and their acts are read publicly proclaimed. The words shall be proclaimed on the housetops are spoken according to the manner of the country of Palestine, where they are accustomed to live on the housetops, for their roofs were not after our way raised to a point but flat-shaped and level at the top. Therefore, he says, 
proclaimed on the housetops, that is, spoken openly in the hearing of all men. Theophylact, or this is addressed to the Pharisees, as if he said, O Pharisees, what you have spoken in darkness, that is, all your endeavors to tempt me in the secrets of your hearts, shall be heard in the light, for I am the light, and in my light shall be known whatsoever your darkness devises. And what you have spoken in the ear and in closets, that is, whatsoever in whispers you have poured into one another's ears, shall be proclaimed on the housetops, that is, was as audible to me as if it had been cried aloud on the housetops. Herein also you may understand that the light is the gospel, but the housetop the lofty souls of the apostles. But whatever things the Pharisees plotted together were afterwards divulged and heard in the light of the gospel. The great herald, the Holy Spirit, presiding over the souls of the apostles. Verses 4 through 7. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that they have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which, after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Ambrose, since unbelief springs from two causes, either from a deep-seated malice or a sudden fear, lest any one from terror should be compelled to deny the God whom he acknowledges in his heart, he well adds, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, etc. Cyril, for it is not absolutely to everyone that this discourse seems to apply but to those who love God with their whole heart, to whom it belongs to say, Who shall separate us from the love of God? But they who are not such are tottering and ready to fall down. Moreover, our Lord says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How then is it not most ungrateful to Christ not to repay him that we receive? Ambrose, he tells us also, that that death is not terrible, for which, at a far more costly rate of interest, immortality is to be purchased. Cyril, we must then consider that crowns and honors are prepared for the labors of those upon whom men are continually venting forth their indignation. And to them, the death of the body is the end of the persecutions. Whence he adds, and after this, have nothing more that they can do. Bede, Their rage, then, is but useless raving, who cast the lifeless limbs of martyrs to be torn in pieces by wild beasts and birds, seeing that they can in no wise prevent the omnipotence of God from quickening and bringing them to life again. Chrysostom, observe how our Lord makes his disciples superior to all, by exhorting them to despise that very death which is terrible to all. At the same time also, he brings them proofs of the immortality of the soul, adding, I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Ambrose, for our natural death is not the end of punishment, and therefore he concludes that death is the cessation of bodily punishment, but the punishment of the soul is everlasting. And God alone is to be feared, 
to whose power nature describes not, but is herself subject, adding, Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Theophylact, here observe that upon sinners death is sent as a punishment, since they are here tormented by destruction, and afterwards thrust down into hell. But if you will sift at the words, you will understand something further. For he says not, who casts into hell, but has power to cast. For not every one dying in sin is forthwith thrust into hell. But there is sometimes pardon given for the sakes of the offerings and prayers which are made for the dead. Ambrose. Our Lord then had instilled the virtue of simplicity, had awakened the courageous spirit. Their faith alone was wavering, and well did he strengthen it by adding with respect to things of less value. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? As if he said, If God forgets not the sparrows, how can he man? Bede. The Depontius is a coin of lightest weight, and equal to two asses. Gloss. Now that which in number is one is in weight an ass, but that which is two is a Depontius, Ambrose. But perhaps someone will say, How is it that the apostle says, Does the Lord care for oxen? whereas an ox is of more value than a sparrow. But to care is for one thing, to have knowledge another. Origin. Literally hereby is signified the quickness of divine foresight, which reaches even to the least things. But mystically the five sparrows justly represent the spiritual senses, which have perception of high and heavenly things, beholding God, hearing the divine voice, tasting of the bread of life smelling the perfume of Christ's anointing, handling the word of life. But these being sold for two farthings, that is, being lightly esteemed by those who count as perishing, whatever is of the Spirit, are not forgotten before God. But God is said to be forgetful of some because of their iniquities. Theophylact, where these five senses are sold for two farthings, that is, the New and Old Testament, and are not therefore not forgotten by God. Of those whose senses are given up to the word of life, that they may be fit for the spiritual food. The Lord is ever mindful. Ambrose, or else a good sparrow is one which nature has furnished with the power of flying. For nature has given us the grace of flying. Pleasure has taken it away, which loads with meats the soul of the wicked, and molds it towards the nature of a fleshly mass. The five senses of the body, then, if they seek the food of earthly alloy, cannot fly back to the fruits of higher actions. A bad sparrow, therefore, is one which has lost its habit of flying through the fault of earthly groveling. Such are those sparrows which are sold for two farthings, namely at the price of worldly luxury. For the enemy sets up his, as it were, captive slaves at the very lowest price, but the Lord, being the fit judge of his own work, has redeemed at a great price us, his noble servants, whom he hath made in his own image. Cyril, it is his care then diligently to know the life of the saints. Whence it follows, but the hairs of your heads are all numbered, by which he means that of all things which relate to them, he has most accurate knowledge, for the numbering manifests the minuteness of the care exercised. Ambrose, 
Lastly, the numbering of the hairs is not to be taken with reference to the act of reckoning, but to the capability of knowing. Yet they are well said to be numbered, because those things which we wish to preserve we number. Cyril. Now mystically indeed, the head of a man is his understanding, but his hair is the thoughts, which are open to the eye of God. Theophylact. Or by the head of each of the faithful, you must understand a conversation meet for Christ, but by his hair the works of bodily mortification, which are numbered by God, and are worthy of the divine regard. Ambrose, if then such is the majesty of God, that a single sparrow, or the number of our hair, is not besides his knowledge, how unworthy is it to suppose that the Lord is either ignorant of the hearts of the faithful, or despises them so as to count them of less value? Hence he proceeds to conclude, Fear not then, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Bede, we must not read, ye are more, which relates to the comparison of number, but ye are of more value, that is, of greater estimation in the sight of God. Athanasius, now I ask the Arians, if God, as if disdaining to make all other things, made only his Son, but deputed all things to his Son, how is it that he extends his providence even to such trifling things as our hair and the sparrows? For upon whatever things he exercises his providence, of these he is the creator by his own word. Verses 8 through 12. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues, and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Bede. It was said above that every hidden work and word is to be revealed. But he now declares that this revelation is to take place in the presence of the heavenly city and the eternal judge and king, saying, But I say unto you, Whoever shall confess me, etc. Ambrose, he has also well introduced faith, stimulating us to its confession, and to faith itself he has placed virtue as a foundation. For as faith is the incentive to fortitude, so is fortitude the strong support of faith. Chrysostom. The Lord is not then content with an inward faith, but requires an outward confession, urging us to confidence and greater love. And since this is useful for all, he speaks generally, saying, Whosoever shall confess me, etc. Cyril. Now Paul says, If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The whole mystery of Christ is conveyed in these words, for we must first confess that the Word born of God the Father, that is, the only begotten Son of his substance, is Lord of all, not as one who had gained his Lordship from without and by stealth, but who is in truth by his nature Lord as well as the Father. Next we must confess that God raised him from the dead, who was himself truly made man, 
and suffered in the flesh for us. For such he rose from the dead. Whoever then will confess Christ before men, namely, as God the Lord, Christ will confess him before the angels of God, at that time when he shall descend with his holy angels in the glory of his Father at the end of the world. Eusebius, but what will be more glorious than to have the only begotten word of God himself bear witness in our behalf at the divine judgment and by his own love to draw forth as a recompense for confession a declaration upon that soul to whom he bears witness. For not as abiding without him to whom he bears witness, but as dwelling in him and filling him with light, he will give his testimony. But having confirmed them with good hope, by so great promises, he again rouses them by more alarming threats, saying, But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Chrysostom, both in condemnation a greater punishment is announced, and in blessing a greater reward, as if he said, Now you confess and deny, but I then, for a far greater recompense of good and evil, awaits them in the world to come. Eusebius, he rightly declares this threatening, in order that none should refuse to confess him by reason of the punishment, which is to be denied by the Son of God, to be disowned by wisdom, to fall away from life, to be deprived of light, and to lose every blessing, but all these things to suffer before God, the Father who is in heaven, and the angels of God. Cyril, now they who deny are first indeed those who in time of persecution renounce the faith. Besides these, there are heretical teachers also and their disciples. Chrysostom, there are other modes of life also of denying which St. Paul describes, saying, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. And again, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Also, flee from covetousness, which is idolatry. Since then, there are so many modes of denial, it is plain that there are many likewise of confession, which whosoever has practiced shall hear that most blessed voice with which Christ greets all who have confessed him. But mark the precaution of the words. For in the Greek he says, Whosoever shall confess in me, showing that not by his own strength, but by the aid of grace from above, a man confesses Christ. But of him who denies, he said not, in me, but me. For though being destitute of grace, he denies. He is nevertheless condemned, because the destitution is owing to him who is forsaken, or he is forsaken for his own fault. Bede, but lest from what he says, that those who have denied him are to be denied, it should be supposed that the condition of all was alike, that is, both of those who deny deliberately and those who deny from infirmity or ignorance. He immediately added, And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Cyril, but if our Savior means to imply that if any injurious word is spoken by us against a common man, we shall obtain pardon if we repent, there is still no difficulty in the passage, for since God is by nature merciful, he restores those who are willing to repent. But if the words are referred to Christ, how is he not to be condemned, who speaks a word against him? Ambrose, truly by the Son of Man we understand Christ, who by the Holy Spirit was born of a virgin, seeing that his only parent on earth is the virgin, 
What then? Is the Holy Spirit greater than Christ, that they who sin against Christ should obtain pardon, while they who offend against the Holy Spirit are not thought worthy to obtain it? But where there is unity of power, there is no question of comparison. Athanasius. The ancients indeed, the learned Origen, and the great Theognostus, describe this to be the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, when they who have all been counted worthy of the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism fall back into sin, for they say that for this reason they cannot obtain pardon. As Paul says, it is impossible for those who have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit to renew them again, etc. But each adds his own explanation, for Origen gives this as his reason. God the Father indeed penetrates and contains all things, but the power of the Son extends to rational things only, and the Holy Spirit is only in those who partake of him in the gift of baptism. When then catechumens and heathens sin, they sin against the Son who abideth in them. Yet they may obtain pardon when they become worthy of the Spirit of regeneration. But when the baptized commit sin, he says that their offense touches the Spirit, after coming to whom they have sinned, and therefore their condemnation must be irrevocable. But Theonostus says that he who has gone beyond both the first and second threshold deserves less punishment, but he who has also passed the third shall no more receive pardon. By the first and second threshold he speaks of the doctrine of the Father and the Son, but by the third the partaking of the Holy Spirit. According to St. John, when the Spirit of truth is come, he will lead you into all truth. Not as though the doctrine of the Spirit was above that of the Son, but because the Son condescends to those who are imperfect, but the Spirit is the seal of those who are perfect. If then, not because the Spirit is above the Son, blasphemy against the Spirit is unpardonable, but because remission of sin is indeed to the imperfect, but no excuse remains to the perfect, therefore, since the Son is in the Father, he is in those in whom the Father and the Spirit are not absent. For the Holy Trinity cannot be divided. Besides this, if all things were made by the Son, and all things consist in him, he will himself be truly in all, so that it must needs be that he who sinneth against the Son sinneth against the Father also, and against the Holy Spirit. But holy baptism is given in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And so they that sin after baptism commit blasphemy against the Holy Trinity. But if the Pharisees had not received baptism, how did he condemn them as if they had spoken blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, of which they were not yet partakers, especially since he did not accuse them simply of sin, but of blasphemy? But these differ, for he who sins transgresses the law, but he who blasphemes offends against the deity himself. But again, if to those who sin after baptism there is no remission of the punishment of their offenses, how does the apostle pardon the penitent at Corinth? But he travails in birth of the backsliding Galatians until Christ be formed again in them. And why also do we oppose Novatius, who does away with repentance after baptism? The apostle to the Hebrews does not thus reject the repentance of sinners, but lest they should suppose that, as according to the rites of the law, under the veil of repentance, there could be many and daily baptisms, he therefore warns them indeed to repent, 
but tells them that there could be only one renewal, namely by baptism. But with such considerations, I return to the dispensation which is in Christ, who being God was made man, as very God raised the dead, as clothed with the flesh, thirsted, labored, suffered. When any then, looking to human things, see the Lord athirst or in suffering, and speak against the Savior, as if against a man, they sin indeed, yet may speedily on repentance receive pardon, alleging as excuse the weakness of his body. And again, when any, beholding the works of deity, doubt concerning the nature of the body, they also sin grievously. But these two, if they repent, may be quickly pardoned, seeing that they have an excuse in the greatness of the works. But when they refer to the works of God, to the devil, justly do they undergo the irrevocable sentence, because they have judged God to be the devil, and the true God to have nothing more in his works than the evil spirits. To this unbelief then the Pharisees had come. For when the Savior manifested the works of the Father, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, and such like deeds, they said that these were the works of Beelzebub. As well might they say, looking at the order of the world and the providence exercised over it, that the world was created by Beelzebub. As long then, as regarding human beings, they erred in knowledge, saying, Is not this the carpenter's son, and how knoweth this man the things which he never learnt? He suffered them as sinning against the Son of Man. But when they waxed more furious, saying that the works of God are the works of Beelzebub, he no longer endured them. For thus also he endured their fathers, so long as their murmurings were for bread and water. But when having found a calf, they impute to it the divine mercies they had received, they were punished. At first, indeed, multitudes of them were slain. Afterwards, he said, indeed, Nevertheless, in this day, when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Such then is the sentence passed upon the Pharisees, that in the flame prepared for the devil, they shall be together with him everlastingly consumed. Not then to make comparison between a blasphemy spoken against himself and the Holy Spirit said he these things, as if the Spirit were the greater. But each blasphemy being uttered against him, he shows the one to be greater, the other less. For looking at him as man, they reviled him, and said that his works were those of Beelzebub. Ambrose, thus it is thought by some that we should believe both the Son and the Holy Spirit to be the same Christ, preserving the distinction of persons with the unity of the substance, since Christ, both God and man, is one Spirit, as it is written, the Spirit before our face, Christ the Lord. The name Spirit is holy, for both the Father is holy, and the Son holy, and the Spirit holy. If then Christ is each, what difference is there except we know that it is not lawful for us to deny the divinity of Christ? Bede, or else whoso saith that the works of the Holy Spirit are those of Beelzebub, it shall not be forgiven him either in the present world or in that which is to come. Not that we deny that if he could come to repentance, he could be forgiven by God, but that we believe that such a blasphemer, as by the necessity of his deserts, he would never come to forgiveness. So neither to the fruits themselves of a worthy repentance, according to that, he hath blinded their eyes, so that they should not be converted, and I should heal them. Cyril, 
But if the Holy Spirit were a creature and not the divine substance of the Father and the Son, how does an injury committed against him entail upon it so great a punishment as is denounced against those that blaspheme against God? Bede. Nor, however, are all they who say that the Spirit is not holy or is not God, but is inferior to the Father and the Son, involved in the crime of unpardonable blasphemy, because they are led to do it through human ignorance, not demonical hatred, as the rulers of the Jews were. Augustine, or if it were here said, who has spoken any blasphemy whatever against the Holy Spirit, we ought then to understand thereby all blasphemy. But because it was said, who blasphemeth against the Holy Spirit, let it be understood of him that blasphemed not in any way, but in such a manner that it can never be pardoned him. For so when it was said, the Lord tempteth no man, that is not spoken of every, but only of a certain kind of temptation. Now what that kind of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, let us see. The first blessing of believers is forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit. Against this free gift the impenitent heart speaks. Impenitence itself, therefore, is blasphemy against the Spirit, which is neither forgiven in this world nor in that which is to come. For repentance gains that forgiveness in this world which is to avail in the world to come. Cyril. But the Lord, after having inspired such great fear and prepared men to resist those who depart from a right confession, commanded them for the rest to take no care what they should answer, because for those who are faithfully disposed, the Holy Spirit frames fit words as their teacher and dwells within them. Whence it follows, and when they shall bring you into the synagogues, take no thought how or what ye shall answer. Gloss. Now he says how with respect to the manner of speaking, what with respect to the manner of intention, how ye shall answer to those who ask, or what ye shall say to those who wish to learn. Bede. For when we are led for Christ's sake before judges, we ought to offer only our will for Christ. But in answering, the Holy Spirit will supply his grace, as it is added, for the Holy Spirit will teach you, etc. Chrysostom. But elsewhere it is said, be ready to answer every one who shall ask you for a reason of the hope that is in you. When, indeed, a contest or strife arises among friends, he bids us take thought. But when there are the terrors of a court, of justice, and fear on every side, he gives his own strength, so as to inspire boldness and utterance, but not dismay. Theophylact, since then our weakness is twofold, and either from fear of punishment we shun martyrdom, or because we are ignorant and cannot give a reason for our faith, he has excluded both. The fear of punishment, in that he said, Fear not them which kill the body, but fear the ignorance, when he said, Take no thought how or what ye shall answer, etc. End of chapter 12, verses 1 through 12.